Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace, and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. I want to wrap, sort of seal this thing, and then I need to go into other issues. The Lord has allowed us to camp here for very specific reasons. And I must say, it's borne tremendous fruit, like I said in the email. We've seen some tremendous reconciliations, forgiveness being meted out. Um, I was in kind of an arbitration involved this week, peaceful relationships between brothers, reconciliation. I was able to see the grace of God in action. I want to encourage you, in your own little world, if you're struggling with these things, let me just say this, there is grace present now. I've seen it. There is grace present for this. Amen. So if you're struggling to make the initial effort, just, just, just take the plunge. Um, send the emails. Write the letter. Make the call. Just, just do it and see what God does. Just see what the Lord does. Amen? It's, it's been tremendous. Um, okay, we can start. But we're continuing with, with peace for the seed. Let me just basically summarize this. I put these little points just so that we can see it globally. Obviously, there are other examples in the scripture, there, but the, the, the examples are too many, and I don't want to sound exhaustive in how we present this, but these are sufficient enough examples for us to get the point of how that um, God requires a peaceful habitation for prosperity or success to result. That peaceful habitation is peace in your relationships. So, Abraham rescues Lot, who, who left him. There was strife between the two, right? And I don't want to um, go over the details of the story, just to say one or two things about each of these cases. Abraham sacrifices his prophetic destiny, puts everything on the line to rescue a brother in trouble, Lot. In doing so, he comes back with great riches. His objective was not to become rich. Abraham's objective in, in Genesis 14 was not to get rich. His objective was to rescue a brother. And he came back with wealth. Principle is when you prioritize your brother's welfare, you're positioned to be enriched. Right? Your key to your breakthrough in the season is found in your attitude towards your brother. Right? And um, I really want to encourage you. God has been speaking. Um, make personal sacrifices for the betterment of somebody else. Live in the culture of, of grace that knows how to impoverish itself to enrich others. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul would say, how that although he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Wonderful verse of scripture that. You know, even say you know. Now, now when do you know? When do you know that grace is present and working in your life? Because Paul says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus. How is his grace known? In that verse he says, you know the grace, how that although he was rich, for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. So grace is known. Grace, if I want to perceive one way of a litmus test for me, of the perception of grace, and it's working the life of a son of God, is that, that person's capacity to inconvenience himself to convenience others. Is that person's capacity to impoverish himself to enrich others? Is that person's capacity to make personal sacrifices for the betterment of somebody's advancement? That, for me, is grace in action. Everyone say, you know the grace, and call the person's name. Tell the person. You know the grace of Matthew Barnwell, right? You know the grace of, of Quentin Adams. How that? Now, let me ask you, what is your, how that? What is your active outward working of the grace of God in your life in reference to relationships? In other words, what have you done recently for your brother's advancement? Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel, literally mis, um, disesteeming the image of God vested in his brother. 
And the judgment of God on him was what? The ground does not respond to you. Right? So all of creation has principles embedded within them. Laws, if you would. Right? The entire universe is, is, it functions by God-ordained principles and laws. Those laws only respond to the image of God in the Son of God. You violate the image, you cancel the operation of the law. Right? For Cain, it meant that the ground, when he sowed seed, would not respond to him. Why? He violated the image of God vested within his brother Abel. What was the reason? Abel's offering was accepted. His was rejected. Envy, bitterness, eventually hatred, which 1 John 3.15 equates to murder arose in his heart. So, when you cannot celebrate your brother's favor and his acceptability of everything he does with God, and especially in the context when yours is rejected and his is accepted, when you can't celebrate your brother's success, you are a candidate for, the, for hatred to start. Hmm? So I want to encourage you, when, when, when someone shows advancement, you must say, hallelujah, bless the Lord. Cain should have said, wow, check what favor Abel's offering is recruited. He should have positioned himself to learn from that. Instead, hatred, bitter envy arose in his heart. And what did he do? He, in the field when they were alone, he slew, the Bible says, killed his brother. First murder ever committed in human history. Right? Murderous spirit. And you know there's a murderous spirit rampant in the church? Right? A a, a spirit of, of persecution, of hatred, of envy, of jealousy. Right? Someone buys a new dress. And, and I'm talking about a lady's perspective here. Someone buys, because men, we don't worry about what we wear. Leah got a new pants, right? Powerful brew. Amen. Right? But ladies know it's different. Someone walks in with a new dress. All the ladies, wow. You know, check it out. He da do da do. Right? And sometimes, bitter envy and jealousy can well up. Right? You're functioning on that level. You haven't learned these principles yet. Right? You must, if someone wears a new dress, wow. Check my sister in the Lord out. See how well she looks. See how God is prospering her. Amen. So uh, celebrate your brother's success. Amen. Celebrate. Psalm 102. I got it down here somewhere. Psalm 102 says, The set time to favor Zion has, has come. And uh, your next verse. So whenever God is favoring Zion, next verse is, Your servant take great delight or pleasure in her stones. Right? So you must be, the stones are people, living stones, not bricks. We are stones. So when we, the servants of the Lord, can take delight in the stones, um, in the success, in the, how God is favoring Zion, we can celebrate each other's success. We'll avoid hatred and envy welling up in our heart. Can we run going a bit too slow? Jacob and Esau. Remember Jacob um, had to reconcile with Esau, right? He deceived him out of the birthright, right? But God had to bring him to a place of reconciliation. What was the name of the river that he crossed before he did this? The Jabbok. He had to, Jacob had to cross the Jabbok, which means empty yourself. Pour, out, pour yourself out. You see, to reconcile with the brother, you literally have to reduce yourself to nothing. If you go there with an opinion, if you go there with intentions to justify yourself, right? right? And listen, when the twins were born, these were twins, when they were born, what was the prophecy? Who was the elder? Who was firstborn here? Esau was firstborn. Jacob came out second. What was the prophecy here? The older will serve the younger. At birth already, Jacob knew or had this prophecy from God that he's always going to be ahead of Esau. But what did he do despite having the prophecy? He sought to get it through carnal, scheming, negotiation, supplanting his name means, through wicked means, and he suffered consequences. The delay was 20 years in his life. 20, there was like a prophetic delay of 20 years. Leaves his father's house, Uncle Laban's house, recruits his two wives, seven years Rachel, seven years Leah, six years working, and realized he has to leave that and go back to his father's house. 
Everyone say father's house. But you know, 20 years elapsed before you left there. 20 years before, has the dream of the ladder angels ascending and, and descending. And he commits to tithe. To tithe, not so. He vows to tithe. He vows to tithe. He says, this is Bethel, which means what? House of God. And he vows to tithe. Listen carefully. His commitment to tithe was based on his perception of the house. And I don't want to go into that. It's a long, long teaching. But he tithes in reference to his understanding of what the house of God constitutes. And he makes a promise. If God will be with me, if keep me in my way, keep me from my enemies, protect me. And lastly, what? Who remembers? And bring me back to my father's house in peace. He knows I need to balega now. I'm running away from a brother that's red. This guy's name means red. Esau is red. <laughs> He's angry with me. I have to run away from a context where I know prophetic destiny will be fulfilled. So, and he runs away for how long? 20 years. And he realizes after Laban deceives him, what he sows, he reaps. Right? And he realizes, I need to go back where? Daddy's house. But I can't get to daddy's house until I reconcile with daddy's son. Esau. Right? So, Peniel meets the angel, wrestles, recruits the blessing personally. Tosses his jabok, empties himself, sees Esau. What does he do? He sends gifts. Everyone says seed. You see, his seed was motivated by peace. He had peace for the seed, as it were. His seed was motivated. He sowed with the idea that I need to sow reconciliatory. Hmm? You sowed this morning. You gave offerings. Your seed your seed's potential, prophesy over you. Watch how your seed's potential will grow the moment you sow seeds with a heart that is committed to reconcile relationships. Some of you, I know, your prophecies are delayed. There's literal delay. Please don't make it 20 years. Don't wait for 20 years to pass and say, we should have listened to Randolph 20 years earlier because we wasted so much time now. Right? Cross your jabo. You know, I found a, a, a verse of scripture. Um, let me just find it in my notes. Um, take this reference down. It's not in your notes, but take, take this reference down. I think it's in the new note. Session 25, page 2 at the top. Isaiah 48, verse 17 and 18. Isaiah 48, 17 and 18. I'm going to read this from the English Standard Version. For your info, the ESV is now the new modern substitution for the old King James Version. Let's try and get a copy if you can. It's a lovely reading. ESV, English Standard Version. It says it like this. Thus says the Lord, Isaiah 48, 17 and 18. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am your God who teaches you to profit. Not so? Who teaches you to prosper. Who teaches you to have success. I am your Lord, your God that teacheth thee to profit, who leads you in the way that you should go. Next verse. Oh, that you would have paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river, and your righteousness would have been like waves of the sea. Hmm? Isn't that sort of wraps up some of the things we've been talking about? Peace, righteousness, prosperity. Who wants the Lord your God to teach you to profit? Amen. I don't think anybody sitting here this morning, if I asked you, Mark, do you want to be successful? I say, yes. Do you want the Lord to teach you to profit even in business? Yes. Do you want wealth? Do you want success? Yes. Right? I am the Lord your God that teacheth thee to profit, that leads you in the way that you should go. Next verse. But oh, that you would have paid attention to my commandments. Right? For then, like what it says, your peace would have been like a river. And you know, in pieces like a river, prosperity will flow. And your righteousness would have been like waves crashing on the sea. Lovely picture, eh? Lovely picture, lovely depiction. But the, 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 the imperative here is obedience. Oh, that you would have listened to me. Oh, and then all of these things would have resulted. Whenever I think of Jacob and Esau, I think of this verse. How that he deferred, okay? 
Job's fortunes were restored to him when? When he prayed for his friends. God, I mean, this man was morally upright, personal purity, you can't fault him. His perfection is not defined in terms of his morality. His spiritual perfection is, is defined in terms of how he relates relationally to people. When God saw that aspect of his walk come right, then God says, now I'm positioned, I'm in a position to restore your fortunes. And I keep saying, reconciled relationships is the last frontier in God's agenda. I'm convinced of this. This is the last segment. This, if this is taken, we are unstoppable. If you can take Hebron, you can take Zion. If you can take this mountain, Kiryat Safar, let me talk about this quickly. Hebron, right at the bottom. David lived in Hebron for seven and a half years. He ruled from Zion for 33 years. David's reign was 40 and a half years, although the scripture says it was 40 years. But, he, so listen carefully. Hebron means what? Alliance. We'll do all series shortly, next year probably. Alliance, relationships, confederacy, conjugal relationships, oneness. It's about brotherhood. It's about peaceful relationships. Why would David um, live? He asked the Lord after Saul died, where must I go? Because he knew the kingdom has been transferred to him. He was anointed at 16 years old. He's now 30, right? Or plus, or 30 minus. Right? And he, he, he realizes one order is dead, it's my time. And he asks God, where must I go? Because going to geographical places was very important in that time. Right? It spoke to how the person would imbibe certain qualities and characteristics within his life. But the Lord said to him, go up to Hebron. He goes there, the Bible says, and David went up to Hebron with his wives. Next verse. And sons were born to David in, in Hebron. And he stays there for seven and a half years. Seven and a half years. Seven meaning perfection, completeness. Seven and a half indicating moving beyond that. So David perfected relationships. Hmm? He knew, you know how he starts this. He celebrates his enemy at the word go. And so when he hears of Saul's death, he sings Saul's praises in the book of Yasa. He writes a song which he called the Song of the Bow. He commanded that the song be taught and sung throughout all Judah. Now you know, what do songs do? Songs like imp make an impression and imprint on the mind, not so. What was David doing? I mean, he could have just written a decree, sent this throughout all Judah. At that stage, only Judah was recognizing him as the legitimate king, not all Israel. He says, this song must be sung in all Judah. And in, if you read the content of the song, it'll make good study to study the lyrics of the song of the bow that David wrote for, in honor of King Saul. His greatest enemy dies and he does not rejoice. He laments, he says, oh, how the mighty have fallen. He did not regard Saul as his enemy. He always viewed Saul as the man who was anointed by God. Always view your enemy as anointed. Maybe, maybe your enemy is anointed to persecute you, to refine the purposes of the Lord in you. But your view is, this was God's instrument. This was God's mighty man. And, he, and you read the contents. He celebrates all of the positive aspects of Saul and his son, Jonathan. And he records it in the book of Yasa, of Jasa or Yasa. It's literally, Yasa means a book of rectitude, uprightness, proper attitude, justice. The right way to respond to an enemy is to celebrate him. And so the song scarred the mentality of the whole nation. What David felt, here's the key, what David felt was now transferred to all the men of Judah. What did David do? David brought a whole tribe 
unto, into the same mentality of how to approach an enemy as he did. And that and the first people to come to him at Hebron was Judah, then, then other tribes of Israel. So listen carefully. It's not just him living for seven and a half years at Hebron with the correct mentality towards relationships. It's everyone that was with him. This is my lament presently. I must not personally ran off and rename my family. We must not only have the right attitude relationally. God is waiting for this mentality to be tribal. God is waiting for the, the, the distribution of this mindset. Right? And I'm waiting to see it. I see it here, see it in pockets. But sometimes when I, I hear something, I realize, oh, the person's nowhere near where I want them to be relationally. If I hear a view expressed by somebody in reference to someone else, and I hear the spirit of what he said and the content of what he said, then I lament in my heart, oh, we still got a long way to go. In fact, listen carefully. Some of us are not in Hebron yet. Right? You see, you deal with these enemies before you come to Hebron. Hebron's not the place to get these things done, this, this mentality. Hebron is the place... You come to, because you have this mentality, and you abide there. You prove to God, I can live consistently for seven and a half years without an, an ounce of hatred, bitterness, unforgiveness in my heart against anyone. And you know, when God saw that in David, not just in David, in David and all the men with him, God says, it's time. Take Zion. Rule and reign. From the capital, Jerusalem. The mountain of the Lord, Zion. Listen carefully. For 33 and a half years. Jesus died at 33 and a half, plus minus. Right? There you're, you're coming to a greater representation of the Christ. Zion is the ultimate position. But you're never going to get to Zion until you are marinated in Hebron. Till you are pickled in the disposition of correct relationships and attitudes towards brothers. And I'm saying don't wait for Hebron to do this. You perfect it now in your journey upward. This is like, you know, Hebron was the highest place altitudinally. It's the highest uh, height above sea level, the highest place in natural Israel, even higher than Zion. Highest place you can get to physically in, in, in natural Israel is Hebron. Right? And they say there were no roads, man-made roads. It was a difficult place to traverse. It was steep and mountainous. Think about it. it the Bible calls it the hill country, Hebron. Hilly. Right? Think about when, when God answered David. He says, Lord, where must I go? And the Lord said to him, go up to Hebron. David said, Yo, Hebron of all the places. Lord, what about Jordan, this nice valley? Go there and camp for a while until I take my... God says, now I'm going to teach you a lesson, my son. Ascend the highest place in the spirit that you can come to. Say it again. Ascend the highest place in the spirit that you can ever come to. Is not your proficiency in spiritual gifts. It's not your knowledge of the word. That doesn't impress me. How much you know, how much revelation you can decode. Your highest place in the spirit to me is when I see you in your life, you have the proper biblical correct attitudes to everybody relationally in your world. Then I know that and not just to come there to, uh, to perfect it. To a, when, when I see you like that for 10 years and you haven't changed, but your problems have increased, but your disposition is solid. When I see it's a position you've abided in, even though your problems in terms of relationships have increased, but your position of love, mercy, unforgiveness has actually grown. In other words, you've perfected Hebron in your heart. Then I prophetically say to you, only then will God say to you, Zion, take it. Take Zion. And you know how David took Zion? He didn't take it personally. You see, he opened an issue, an open issued an open uh, invitation to his men. He says, These, and who occupied Jerusalem at that stage? Sion. Jebusites. 
right? I won't have time to go into the history. Maybe when we do the Hebron series, we'll do that. But, and, and the Jebusites chide or they, they mock David. They said, David, who are you? You'll never take us, David. We've been here historically for so, so long. I think one of them would have, would have even said, hey, remember Joshua, the great conquest leader? He couldn't even take us out. We are still here. Years and years, no one can move us. And they deride David by saying this. Listen, you are so weak. We won't even send our best. We will send our, our lame and our blind to deal with you, David. And what the next verse says, and the soul of David hated the lame and the blind. There's those two elements that must be conquered. The inability to see prophetically and the inability to walk practically into the purposes of the Lord. Right? And David issues a challenge. Who leads the assault? Who was the guy? Joab. He makes God, David makes him uh, head of the entire army. Joab comes to the fore and says, I'll go. Sort these people out for you. <laughs> Let me just say this. You are going to do things way, way beyond your capacity when you function Hebronically. Think about all the latent potential laid up and locked up in store within you. Some of you think if I fast more, more power. If I pray more, more power. If I read the word more, and all those things are true. I'm not saying you mustn't do those things. I am telling you there's another secret. If you just position as much as you commit to prayer fasting or also tell yourself i'm going to perfect all of my relationships and see what power comes your way see what ability god brings to the fore it's latent within you only an hebronic position is going to release this right only an hebronic position is going to release this caleb also got hebron remember give me this mountain you know we've heard a lot of sermons by that title give me this mountain i'm as strong now as i was 40 years when moses gave me the promise therefore give me this mountain what he was asking for is give me the chance to perfect relationships that's all caleb wanted he realized if i take that mountain i've got everything not so tell you never give me this mountain hebron give me this let that be your cry this morning Leave here this morning when you have lunch, when you have supper tonight, when you're sleeping on your bed. May these words ring in your mind. Give me God. Hebron, give me this mountain. Uh, uh, create a desire within me to bring perfection in my heart and mind to every person relationally in my world. And you're going to see how God will, will bless you. In fact, the next city that, he, uh, that Caleb took after he took Hebron, right? some of the, the remnants of the giants of the Anakim were still there, mighty men. Remember, they were there 40 years before. Right? And the next city after taking Hebron that Caleb, Caleb took was Kiriath Safar, which means what? The city of the books. Whenever you see books, it means there's knowledge. Wherever you see books, it means there's intelligence recorded. It's the center of all learning. It's the intelligence center. And he who has the knowledge rules. Caleb says, listen carefully, he takes Hebron. I don't want to go into the details because I'll leave it for the Hebron series. He takes Hebron. Oh, by the way, Caleb doesn't take Hebron. Who takes Hebron? He says also he learns from David. Well, well not, he doesn't learn from David. David eventually learned this principle from him. Right? Same principle. Who takes it? Othniel. Caleb also says, okay, we've taken this. There's, there's the next. That city is what we must secure. Because if we secure that, we become the intelligence of the nation. Right? We get the brains of the nation. Othniel, what did Caleb say? He issues a challenge to his men. Whoever takes Kiriat so far, I'll give you my daughter Aksa as a wife. Aksa, Anklet. The name is anklet. An ankle full with grace. What does that do? Gives you momentum. Right? And the Bible says, Othniel arises. By the way, Othniel becomes a judge in Israel. Later. Right? 
Othniel arises. What does Othniel's name mean? Mighty young lion. From what tribe? What tribe is Jude? Caleb. Judah. What is Jesus? Lion of the tribe of Judah. Mighty young lion. Othniel is already functioning in the anointing of Christ. And this is a difficult city to take, but he realizes he got such a legacy of conquest behind him. Caleb taking Hebron. He says, I can do this thing. And remember we said part of prosperity would be God's going to give you divine, witty knowledge, witty inventions. If you can take that, you can take the place of great secrets. It was like secrets locked up in the city. right? And Othniel gets the city. When Othniel takes the city, he gets a bride. Right? Here's a quick way to get married, secure. <laughs> Like David. David got Michelle, Saul's daughter, when he killed Goliath. You just take down one gigantic, solve one gigantic problem, all your problems are solved. That's all you must do. Seek to solve one major obstacle. Yes, a challenge. Everyone say challenge. I say to you, like Caleb said to Othniel, or to his men, who will take Kiriatapal? Othniel steps forward. I say to you, like David said to his men, who can take Zion for me from Hebron? Notice, Caleb, David, all functioning from an Hebronic position. From here, you can do anything. That's my point. From Hebron, you can do anything. Tell your, your neighbor, from Hebron, Quinton, there's nothing stopping you. You can do anything if you master relationships. Ricardo, there's nothing stopping you. Tara, nothing will stop you. You will do anything. Tell your neighbor anything. I, I, I want to drill this into us. There's nothing that will stop us if we function Hebronically. Let me just say this. You are going to be hurt one way or another in life. Offenses will come. The Bible even says that. But you've got to keep your heart pure. Keep your heart dry. Say, God, whatever happens to me, I'm going to live perfectly relationally. My greatest detractor. Do you know what? When, when David wrote... The song of the bow. There's one line of the song that I really love. He says, one of the lyrics, I don't know how the tune goes, I wasn't there. <laughs> the lyrics go, he writes a song, he says, Tell it not in Gath. What was Gath? The city of war. The Philistines. The Philistines was the major enemy of David and, and Israel, right? So, when he says, he says to all Judah, the news of Saul's death and whatever in your mind was a negative opinion about Saul, do not, in other words, you won't do this. David was, he said, if I read between the lines, David was saying to Judah, lip it. Stop talking about it. Right? Cover the man's sin. Especially in the light of our enemies. Do not tell it, not even in Gath. You don't speak of it amongst yourselves. He's saying, David said to them, well, don't speak of it amongst yourselves, but especially do not let our enemies gloat over what happened here. Right? Tell your neighbor, tell it not in Gath. Do not expose Saul's weakness, David was saying. Now is not the time to rejoice that a demonically possessed king has fallen. David said, in my view, he, was, he lost the plot but he was still the anointed of the Lord. What is David doing consistently? David is checking his heart in reference to relationships. He's constantly checking himself. I've got to keep my, my heart pure. I told you I do this often. If I'm asked for a view now, Thamo does this. I was just copying him. Because it helps me. If someone asks for my view about someone in whom relationship is strained between the person and myself. And the person's asking for an honest view. It's not scandalous. It's not, it's not, it's, it's not uh, malicious or anything. <laughs> I just find myself naturally doing this. And I'll respond. I do this to say in my mind, guard your heart in terms of what you say now. And how you say. Don't uh, deride the person. If I'm going to speak facts about an issue, I will do so but my attitude will be one of redemption. I will speak redemptively. Amen? Everyone do this. Just me next so. 
So Taz, next time they ask you, what about that one? You know, they're asking me, what about that one? Just say, in your mind, say, tell it not in here. Tell it not in here. If I'm going to comment, I'll give the bare essentials, the minimum. Do you know what the Bible says? Love covers a multitude of sins. Now, let me say, if, if, you, if you say, I have perfected love, love doesn't cover one sin. Some of us have struggled in covering one person's one sin. If you're going to grow in perfected love, which is Hebron, Hebron the, uh, demands that you cover your brother's sin. You cover your brother's sin. Now, for example, listen carefully. The word cover in the Greek, you know what the word cover means? It's the opposite of revelation, the exact same Greek word. Reveal means apocalypto. If to reveal means to draw the curtain and to show it forth. Reveal the truth. Calypto, to cover, literally means this. The literal meaning from Thayer's Greek dictionary is this. To hinder knowledge of it in anyone's ears. To hinder the knowledge, not to... Reveal means speak about it, let it be known. Calypto means to, to cover the sin. So when I say, now listen carefully. It's nice, a theoretical, abstract concept. I must cover my brother's sin. But how do I cover my brother's sin? If you just look at the Greek word, it means you deliberately hinder anyone from knowing about it. And that's your greatest temptation. Because you know how we like to choo-choo-choo-choo-choo-choo-choo. Have you heard? And I'm saying, I want to see this. Hebron position in the house. You do not speak and celebrate somebody's downfall. You do not speak negatively about anyone. If you're doing so and you're in this house, it's illegal in the spirit. It is not permitted. It is not the position that I'm at and I'm saying to you as my sons, follow me as I follow Christ. Sonship is about the degree to which you follow your father. Amen? Follow me as I follow Christ. So next time you are tempted to release knowledge, what you must do is, or even better still, do this. If you start with this, some will go on crying. <laughs> say, say, say to the person, I have no comment. You are safe. The person pressures you. You know what, what, what most people say? Oh, but I couldn't help myself. The topic just came up. You are in control about what you say. Don't fall for the bait of the enemy because the enemy will know how to dangle the bait in front of you. And before you know it, you're exposing your brother's sin. Right? There's a difference between covering up for sin and covering sin. What I'm not suggesting is that you cover up for it. The Bible is very clear. You cover the sin. And the Greek means you stop, you hinder the knowledge about it. When you get to that position, I will come to you personally. If I have to. I'll compliment you to that degree. For then I know you are being perfected in love. When perfect love comes, it banishes all fear then you will be in the most powerful position you have ever been in the spirit. And then I, I, I rehearse and I say to you again, you will become unstoppable. You'll be able to take Kiriath so far, like Caleb. You'll be able to take your Zion, your ruling position, like David. There literally will be nothing impossible with you. You know when they came up from Egypt? Uh, this is Africa, more or less etc. Palestine, if this this represents Egypt, and this represents the promised land. Zion, Jerusalem, somewhere there. Hebron, somewhere to the south. They they left Egypt. Right? They crossed the Red Sea, etc. I'm just, my my map works totally out, but I want to demonstrate the principle. God always knew, listen carefully, this is under Moses' leadership. Joshua is his second. 
11 days after leaving Egypt, they come to spy the land. Not so? Not 40 years, 11 days. What does Moses do? He sends the head of each tribe, 12 in total. Right? Joshua is from the tribe of Ephraim. Caleb from the tribe of Judah. They were heads of the tribe under Moses at that stage of their journey. The tribes go to spy out the land. Right? So they go in. And the first, the Bible says, they go into the hill country of Hebron. Think about how God thinks. What was God's, in God's mind, what was God doing? What was God showing them the first place you must take? God was saying to Moses, the first place I want this nation is to take is to perfect their relationships. If they can go up, go in and possess the land, like Caleb said, right? From here, the conquest takes place. The whole land. From here, you move out. Not so? But you know the story. Two came back with positive reports. Joshua and Caleb. Caleb says, uh, the, the ten spies had a negative result saying, hey, and you know, the, it's like a contrary report because they say the land is, as the Lord God has said, a land flowing with milk and honey. And the Bible, by the way, the Bible says, and they went in at the time of the first fruits. The land was lush. Grapes had to be carried on. Two staves or poles carried on two men's shoulders. That's how big. From, from, for me, not Jericho, 40 years later. But Hebron was the first city always in God's mind to be taken. Hebron, not Jericho, was to be the first fruit city. And the first determines the rest. You take this, you get the rest. Not so. But 10 came back and said, we can't, we can't, we can't. What's Caleb's view? Caleb says, yes, there are giants, no, no problem. But his view is that they are boys' lunch. Read the Bible carefully. He says, they are our food. They are our boys' lunch. What, what, what does lunch and food do? Come on, Keegan, you know this. You eat well. <laughs> what, why do you eat? To nourish your body. To give strength, nourishment, energy. Not so, Clayton? All of you big eaters. <laughs> Luke. Luke's food bill alone. <laughs> Never mind. It's another story. So you eat so you can be strong, robust, energetic. Caleb's view is the problem is not designed to destroy us. The problem is designed to nourish us. Now let me bring it home. Some of you are facing a difficult challenge right now. But your mentality is, must, must be changed in reference to it. Some of you are facing the most traumatic trial you have ever experienced, probably. Maybe the reconciliation with that family member, that brother, that colleague at work, whichever, is going to be your greatest test. But your view must be, this is designed to fuel me. This is designed to build nourishment in me. This is, this, this is actually my lunch. Tell you, your problem is your lunch. Problem is your lunch. This is my lunch. I like, you know, Caleb's, you, you know why? Because... How you take Hebron is going to be dependent on a mentality within you. Because this, let me say this, not everyone takes Hebron. This land is only taken by those with the correct mindset. Right? And it might be difficult, it might be steep, it might be the highest place, but I want to encourage you, if you take it with the correct thinking, it'll be yours. So, the Bible says the ten spies bred unbelief in the heart of all of the nation so they could not possess. God says, okay, Moses was Allah. Meeting. Meeting. I'll kill everybody, God says. I'll wipe everybody. I'll kill everybody. Right? Except my servants. Well, you, Caleb, and Joshua. Right? Everybody 20 years older will die in the wilderness. They'll literally die. God says, I've got time on my hands. I'll cause them to wander in circles for 40 years until a whole generation dies. They're, they're, they're 20 years under and their children, I will raise up a new breed with new thinking to take what I've given you. Right? Now, 40 years later, 
God doesn't come in from the south. They cross over and they're coming from the east, not so? And remember they crossed the Jordan? And yes, yeah, somewhere, I don't know where exactly, but Jericho was the first city to be taken, high walls, etc. Not so? Jericho was the first. But you know, Jericho wasn't God's original plan. Hebron was God's original plan. That's the first place to be taken. And God learned the lesson. God didn't send 12 spies in. How many did God send in? That Rahab received. Two. God knew. Power of two. Forty years earlier, only two agreed. So let's just send two, two guys in. <laughs> and Rahab receives them. And there's great, great victory to be had. Again, I want to reiterate. It's your, it's your taking of the Hebron position. I'm finding such peace in my own life, in my mentality, in my thinking. Favor with God when I pray. I love the verse that I read today. When you stand praying and you remember um, uh, that your brother has ought against you or what, right? Uh, you can't pray with, just go and forgive your brother. You can't pray. Your prayer power is hindered um, whenever forgiveness is harbored. Prayer power is hindered. Write that down. It's a nice phrase. Prayer power is hindered whenever Forgiveness is harbored, is kept, right? Whenever forgiveness is harbored. Thamo made a statement. I posted it yesterday on Facebook. I was listening to his last message. By the way, Apostle Thamo is doing a series on Hebron right now in Santon. I think they're on session six at the Santon Church in Johannesburg. So I always do it so I can keep in step with my father. Whatever he's releasing, I want to imbibe in my life because I'm his son in the Lord, right? And he made this statement. He said, um, how does it go again? You will always have a log in your eye. Remember the log versus the speck? You will always have a log in your eye if you harbor unforgiveness to someone in your heart. So if there's someone in your heart, there's something in your eye, he said. If there's someone that you, 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 you're harboring unforgiveness toward in your heart, your perspective or your spiritual sight, the log, it will always be hindered. But if you can release the person in your heart, your sight suddenly improves. Right? Prophetic capacity will, will grow. Okay? I spoke about spousal fidelity and offerings. Faithfulness. I want to go there. Um, we did a whole demonstration in Malachi 2. I spoke about Judah and Benjamin. Judah, the apostolic tribe, willing to take Benjamin's place. And when Joseph saw that, he revealed his identity to the brothers. Not so. The face of Christ, the face of provision, the face of breakthrough, the face of protection, the face of preservation is revealed when a brother can demonstrate to Christ his willingness to incarcerate, sacrifice himself for the release of the other brother. In fact, which great apostle was from the tribe of Benjamin? Apostle Paul. Paul says, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrew. I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, of the stock of Benjamin. You know what, what Judah was doing? Judah wasn't just preserving a man. Judah, historically projected into the future, was preserving one of the greatest apostles ever. Paul was bound up in this man, Benjamin. In saving Benjamin, he is literally saving and bringing protection and perpetuity to the long-term purposes of God. I'm telling you, some of us don't know what is locked up in each other. So how do you check and view your brother? You know, sometimes you think your brother is insignificant. I think Judah, this is my personal view. I think we looked at this young boy, my younger brother, Benjamin. You are one day, your tribe, are going to produce one of the greatest apostles the church has ever known. You, Benjamin, locked up in you is a great apostle, Paul, to whom the Lord is going to give the mystery of the church to no other group. It's going to come through you. So I'm willing to lay my life so that what's vested in you can take place. Ask your neighbor, what do you see in me? In fact, I dare to say that there's greatness in all of you. You see, if you don't see what your brother truly represents. You will not make the necessary sacrifices for his survival, for his well-being, etc. But if your eyes are open, 
what does, I hope you know what I represent. Tell your neighbor, I hope you know what your father represents. I know what you represent. I know, listen, let me be um, honest. I know there are some of you sitting here that will do greater exploits than we've ever done. I know there's a generation sitting here that's really going to excel in the ways and the purposes of the Lord. We are right there. So see what you're... You know what the Bible even says? Even uh, uh, um, somebody read it or quoted it or prayed it this morning. I think Gordon. Even your less comely parts of the body, you must be still greater on it. So when you honor someone, isn't like there's nothing you wouldn't do for them? Now it says, in the body of Christ, and this is where I know Apostle Thamo in his future teachings is going to head towards when he starts to talk about oneness. You know that the greatest, one of the greatest things that God's going to require us as we move towards oneness in the church is think of this house, think of this local church. Think of the person which in your estimation is the least honorable, the least significant. Think. Well, it's even sort of bad to say that because you shouldn't be thinking like that. But I'm just saying just in case, just go there for a while and think, or in other words, the person I'm our least likely to invite home for supper, our least likely to, to, to give to sponsor or to impart finance to. Person I least likely would pray for, if ever. Person I would, they don't even enter my mind. I don't even think about them. Think about that person right now. And the Bible says, to your less comely members, you must bestow the greatest honor. Now that is when we have truly come to oneness. Can I ask you this week, this next two weeks, this month, try to reach out to someone that you don't normally relate to. Connect. Because this Hebronic environment is going to demand that we function as a, as a unit. So you can look to anybody in the house and say, I honor you. I honor you. I think you are better than me. And I think all of you here are better than me. I honestly do. The Bible says, esteem each other in the Lord higher than yourselves. Some of you are, all of you are awesome. All of you are, have great destiny. All of you are going to amount to something significant in God. I know that. I can see in you the Benjamin. <laughs> I can see what's going to come forth. And I'm willing as a Judah to say to my Christ, Joseph, I'm willing to suffer. Let him go. Put me in prison. And when I say that, Joseph says, okay, it's me. It's your brother Joseph. I'm now, I'm now ready to dispense my saving purposes for everybody when I see that position and that disposition. Okay, Paul, Titus, in the open door, we discussed this on, on Wednesday. I don't want to go to it again. Zerah and Perez also. Remember the twins were also born to Tamar. Tamar bore twins. The first baby stuck his hand out and the midwife put a scarlet thread to indicate that he was the firstborn. But he didn't come out. just put his hand out. But he retracted back into the womb, and the other twin came out first. Right? The other twin came out first. And the midwife asked the question. She names him Perez. Came out first. She names him Perez, which means what? Breakthrough. And in the New King James, it's actually a question. She says, How did you break through? If he could respond, he would have said, My brother opened the way for me deliberately receded so I can come out first. And Zerah means seed. Your seed will cause your breakthrough. Or your seed will cause your breakthrough when you have become the embodiment of the seed principle that exists for the advancement and the progress of your brother. Imagine Perez walking when he's 12, he's 17. Hey, breakthrough, how are you breakthrough? Whatever his name means, breakthrough. Hey, you broke through. How did you break through? How did you get to this place of advancement? He will say, check my proof. He paved the way. So, here's my challenge. You become the seed for somebody else's harvest. You become the seed, the embodiment of the seed principle for someone else's breakthrough. Remember Paul and Titus at the open door? 
Paul says there was a great and effectual door open for me, but I did not enter until I found Titus, my brother. And I challenge you, next time God opens an open door for you, don't enter into it alone. Find your brother and take your brother through the open door that God has made for you. Some doors are not to be entered personally. They must be entered in company. Amen? So if you have breakthrough, ask yourself, how can I lead my brother into this also? You become the breakthrough, the seed for your brother's breakthrough. Settle somebody's debt. How's that for a gesture? I long to do this. I'm going to start practicing in a small way. But I long for one day to come to someone. I know someone's in massive debt financially. And they can't. It's going to take years to get out. And I want to trust God that I secretly have the power to settle the debt. How's that? I've become the seed for my brother's breakthrough. Do something that somebody else can, can get ahead. Amen? These two guys, let's just finish with them because they're bad examples. <laughs> okay. Aiken, what did Aiken do? Aiken was greedy. Tried to get wealth, tried to get prosperity. He hid the Babylonian garment, the wedge of silver or gold, I think, in his tent. Right? He then causes the whole of Israel to be defeated in the next battle after Jericho. They attacked the men of Ai, capital A-I, the city of Ai. And they even said, let a few of us go. They're a small group. We can take them. This was immediately after taking the fortified city of Jericho. Massive, major breakthrough, major battle. Next city was Ai. They said, don't send our army. Send a few of us. We'll sort them out. The Bible says the men of Ai slaughtered most of them. Joshua comes to the Lord and says, why? He's praying. God says to him, get up. Why are you praying? Now is not the time to pray because who sinned? What did God say? Who sinned? Not Achan. God says Israel sinned. One man's sin was attributed to the whole nation. That's why, listen carefully, in this culture, be careful of what you do privately and personally because it's going to bring repercussions on the whole group. Achan functioned in greed to get wealth and in doing so, compromised the well-being of the whole nation. To me, it tells me he had no concern for his brothers. He, was, he, he, he wasn't concerned that I need to act privately because I'm concerned about the impact of my private actions upon the corporate group. He, he's displaying everything opposite to what we've been talking about. He had no concern for the brothers, but he wants to act privately, knowing that my private actions are going to impede the progress of the big group. He had no concern... This guy too, Gehazi, did the same. Not so? Remember he fraudulently extracted funds from Naaman? Right? Which relationship did he violate? With who? With his spiritual father. Yeah, he violates a key relationship. He violates by doing something behind his father's back that he knew would highly displease Elisha. Elisha said to dot my spirit, go with you. Right? And he was relegated to the fringes of God's purposes. Remember from this point onwards, what did he contract, by the way? Leprosy. Lepers couldn't function and associate with, with people in normal cities. They lived in special enclaves called leper colonies. So like, this is like taking someone out of the mainstream of life and relegate, like marginalizing them to the fringes. You can't be central to life. You have to function on the periphery somewhere, not being a central player to the development of your context. That is exactly what happens in the spirit. The moment you violate a key relationship, especially father-son relationship, right? You are relegated and you will not become strategic and play a central role in God's purposes. It's very, very, very important. Amen? Very, very, very important. Let me just close with Psalm 133. I think we haven't even touched on it. Let me just quote it. There's some notes in your notes, but and there's a whole series we've done on this. How good and how pleasant it is for what? For brothers to dwell together in oneness, it should be, not unity, in oneness. For there, it is like what? It is like the 
oil on Aaron's head that went to his beard, went to his garments, even to the edge of the skirts. Then the second analogy, it is like, you want to say like, these are all analogies. It is like the dew that falls on Mount Hermon. Where's Mount Hermon in the scheme of Palestine? Mount Hermon is way up there north, right? It's like the dew that falls on Mount Hermon that descends upon the mountain of what? Of Zion. Hermon is way up in the north, Zion somewhere in the middle there. But it says, if you can get this right, the dew of Hermon will find its way to you in Zion. Um, And dew is depictive of provision, blessing. There's a host of scriptures in your note to prove this. I won't have time to read this. Uh, Blessing, provision. Where did the manna walk? Where was the manna? The manna was wherever the dew was. Not so? It says wherever the dew was, the manna was. If you can have the dew principle in your life, you will have the provision. Amen? The oneness. I really want to encourage us. Um, to secure these positions in the Lord. Again, I really want to encourage you, read Isaiah 48, 17, and 18 when you get home. Okay? I am the Lord your God that teacheth thee to profit, that leads you in the way that you should go. Next verse. Oh, that you had listened to me. Oh, that we would hear this. I speak to myself. Randolph, oh, that you would listen to the Lord speaking through you and take heed to all of these things. Then, two things. Your peace will be like a river. And your righteousness will be like the waves of the sea. And I've proved to you in the series, wherever you have those two things, righteousness and peace, you have prosperity. Amen? Let's stand, let's stand. I'm going to show you how to do this on Tuesday. Amen? How some practical steps for this. Don't miss Tuesday. Amen? Hallelujah. Just in your mind's eye and in your spirit, just process the word of the Lord to us this morning. What outstanding matter is there still for you to do? Outstanding thing for you to um, obey? Paul's word was the lack of obedience. Have you ever not obeyed, delayed the obedience, not did something, not followed through? God judges your offenders worthy. Don't be like Jonah and run away from this that God is forcing you to face. Great prosperity, great blessing, great success is going to be in this for everyone. Peaceful habitation is your portion in the name of the Lord. I really believe this. Father, we we pray that Uh, we will be obedient to this word. I pray that Hebron will be a reality, not just something we speak uh, and see in the scriptures, but it will be our experience. We we lift up our hands. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord. We lift up our hands and we say like Caleb said to you when he saw Hebron, give me this mountain. For I'm as strong now as I was 40 years ago when Moses promised me we could take it. We are here to say we are strong. This is a boy's lunch for us. This is our fuel. This is our nourishment. This is going to be the thing that energizes us for the conquest of all the lands, all the territories, the domains that you have in store for us. I pray, Father, an anointing would rest upon us. The dew of Mount Hermon will descend upon the mountains of Zion. The oil of Aaron's head will descend to the edge of the skirts, Father. Let Holy Ghost anointing come upon us. For there the Lord will command a blessing. Even Zoe life forevermore. The life of the Spirit, the life of God with every attendant blessing shall be ours. I prophesy and I speak this. I ask for it. Like your son asked for oneness, I ask for this. And I know that we shall be enriched. We shall be prosperous, productive in every single respect. We want this mountain. I want this mountain, Father. I declare to the Spirit, I want this mountain. I want Hebron. I want it in the name of Jesus. I want Kiryat Safar. I want the city of the books. I want the Zion position, the place of perfection, the place of rulership. I want it, Father. We want it. 
Come on, declare it. We want it. Make a decision. I want this territory. I want this hill country. I want this position. I want it, Father. I want it in Jesus' name. I want it. You've got to want it. You've got to desire it. The Bible says He will give you the desires of your heart. Bring your desires and align it to His desires. We want this position. We are desperate for it. We declare like Caleb, when others said we are not able, he said we are well able. We are well able to go up, go in, and possess the land which the Lord God has given to us and to our descendants forever. We are well able. Well able. I am able to do this, God. I am able to dominate relationships. I am able to perfect relationships. Even to my greatest enemies, I am well able to represent you relationally. In Jesus' name. Give us this mountain. In Jesus' name. Amen.